welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And if you're interested in some insider perks, you can pitch in a few dollars a month at patreon.com forward slash cleantechnica. That's patreon.com forward slash cleantechnica. This is the second part of a two-part interview with Asad Razouk, CEO of Gurin Energy and host of the Angry Clean Energy Guy podcast. I don't want to get too off track, but you're so good at messaging and the big picture. I'm curious to just hear what you think about the topic of stranded assets and about talking talking about stranded assets. Like, what do you think about the the focus on talking about stranded assets in some places? Very important. Banging the table on stranded assets, which is a term coined by a friend of mine, Mark Campanelli at Carbon Tracker, if I'm not incorrect for a decade has actually finally made some institutional investors, not enough, but some, wake up to the fact that these cash flow producing oil or gas fields or coal plants in their portfolios seemingly with decades worth of cash flows to come may not deliver these cash flows. And it's critical because If these investors increase the cost of capital that they then ascribe to these investments, you can change the entire world because what you can do is you can then drive money away from that sector. If you make their money very expensive, they will clearly explore less, build less pipelines, less gas, LNG ships, less coal plants right? And they'll use up their existing assets in the time that they have left, which is a shrinking window. So I think stranded assets is a very I like important that it, concept. Yeah, I like that it takes away this kind of messaging catharsis that you seem to be very good at highlighting and focusing on. It's sort of, it, it, it says, oh, it's not about just feeling good that you're doing a few things. It's about you're going to be screwed if you don't change faster and i i like that it, it sounded like something you would like you would appreciate that i i will just say you know i spent i went to abu dhabi several times for uh, renewable energy conferences there and uh be a pack of journalists no, normally together going and looking at things one one guy was one year andrew winston he's 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 not a journalist he writes a bit but he's a he's a very uh, high level climate solutions uh, green consultant for businesses and, and author and speaker and activist and he's he's very good and his co- constantly everything every time he talked to someone was what do you think of, of stranded assets he was getting just cutting right through the the greenwashing that was obviously going to be part of that and he was just getting straight to the point and he, i i think asked the question to some rather high level people there and i think uh sort of uh, was not invited back but <laughs> but it was it was very good it always stuck with me as a very important thing is like, okay, you know, 
the greenwashing is one thing get to the heart of the matter for for these people and they will react a little bit they will they will be, act a little bit differently so i, I i've always appreciated that uh, focus that he had and i'm happy it sounds like uh it is something we should keep banging the table on but what is, what is next on your uh, fascinating list of of greenwashing i want to give you three more before we end the, we end this but i have more if you have you know, if you want more. So, and I think, so and just, you know, again, anyone who's liking this, I mean, really check out the Angry Green Energy Guy podcast. This, this is uh, top level, we'll just say top level shit. No, no kids are listening here. So, <laughs> if they are, they're very mature kids. So, an item on its own on my greenwashing list is law firms. I, I just said number 12 law firms. Now, I do have a whole podcast on law firms, but the reason they're on my list is because they are often forgotten, but they enable everything and everyone without any loyalty, seemingly, except for the greenback. Now, that's not good. And they need to be called out and they only started being called out literally a year ago by a small NGO in the United States, which, is, which was started by law students that were kind of angry about what's going on in their field. So that's one. The other one is the International Energy Association. So I've been very critical of the International Energy Association for years, and I'm not the only one, because in effect, they were born out of the 1973 oil crisis. Their DNA is about oil. And over time, they've become like a mouthpiece of the fossil fuel industry. And periodically, Of course, they have very good people working there who are trying to change things, but the the machine seems to be more difficult to change or impossible to change. One of my favorites is they issued recently something called the seven key principles for implementing net zero. So the International Energy Agency issued a document called the seven key principles for implementing net zero, except that document had no mention, and I mean zero, of the words oil, gas, coal, or fossil fuels. Now, you have to be almost an artist to do that, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean that's just amazing. It really is. And I'll give you one more, but that's a much larger conversation. Almost all of the ESG financial industry is greenwashing. And I have a lot of material out there on this. I have a very long Twitter thread of 22 tweets. I have a TEDx. I have a a podcast. And the, the, the bottom line is, It's a huge business. I think within a few years, 100% of all assets under management are going to be ESG compliant. But the point is that the whole concept is being gamed 
And because the E in particular is not being priced, it's all a show. So there's no- I think it's funny move. too. It's, it's basically shifted from CSR to ESG, which is an interesting, I just, I'm, 10, 10 years ago, it was all about CSR. Now CSR is gone, corporate social responsibility. And now it's all ESG. So it, it, the thing I keep wondering is why did what happened to CSR? Is it, it they needed to rebrand? It was like uh... it's been acquired, along with responsible investing and impact investing, and several because if other. Because it's new, it sounds more forward-looking, more progressive, more aggressive. It, you know, if it's a new term, if it's a term that's just been you know thrown around for too long, then people are like, ah, oh, it doesn't really mean anything. When it's a new term, then it's like, oh, look, we're on this new big ESG bandwagon. Yeah. Is that, is that getting to the point a little bit? <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to get to Absolutely. the point of... Yeah. Absolutely. ESG is like an umbrella for all sorts of concepts that were there before that, frankly, were better. And it's just hiding everything. I'll, I'll give you an example or two, if I may. So the first one is that deforestation as we all know, is a major driver of climate change. I mean, I don't know if anybody still doesn't know that. So hypothetically, you would expect that deforestation is used as a filter in the hardcore ESG space of climate funds. So this is a subsector of ESG, climate funds. You know, funds that are specifically about fighting climate. But guess what? Not a single fund excluded deforestation risk or screened for it seriously in their analysis. Okay, now come on. I mean, that's, that is not very serious. That's, Here's another that's one. horrible. Yeah, laughable. That's horrible. Really, that's, uh, yeah. This is... Here's another one of my favorite. Out of 253 U.S. funds that switched to an ESG focused in 2020, so last year, 87% rebranded. So what they did is they added words like sustainable or ESG or green to their names. Guess how many changed their stock or, or bond holdings at that point? You don't need to guess. Zero. 13, zero. <laughs> I was going to guess higher than that. Oh, my. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, we, we need we need adults in the room for ESG. The SEC is going to come in. The accountants have to come in. Uh, you know, this is not good because we're wasting time. You know, once again, it's all about time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's. I, I don't want to take. Uh, you have to sleep at some point. Maybe two, two more and. And I just one more time, check in on his whole uh, podcast, the, the green, the angry green energy guy, your tw Twitter thread. Uh, what's your Twitter handle? First name, last name. So Asad Razouk. Okay. What else? What else should uh, everybody get in line to, to cover better and talk about more, more intelligently? Yeah. Two more. There was a hilarious carbon capture video put out by a, an Australian organization that puts out something called the Honest Government Ads. They're about four or five minutes and they are just punchy and, and savage. And they put one out about carbon capture and storage. 
which just highlighted some of the crazy stuff going in that space, which is being used again to perpetuate oil, gas, and coal when we don't have time. So I'm not saying carbon capture and storage doesn't work or may not work or shouldn't work. I'm just saying we don't have a dollar to put into that stuff. It's a bit like blue hydrogen. We haven't got time for blue hydrogen, right? We need green, and that's what we need. So that's one, carbon capture and storage projects. Another one is any polluting company making noises about planting trees. Definite red flag. Definite red flag. And there's a whole forestry industry behind my statement. You can't just go and plant trees and often those trees in any case die a few years later or disappear or meantime you've banked the carbon offset and you, you know you're long gone. So so that's a joke. And I'll end with just one which is in a different category because that's kind of picking on somebody, but, but, but I had to. And that's Saudi Arabia wanting to plant 10 billion trees, right? So they put out a thing that they're gonna plant 10 billion trees, except there is a problem. Saudi Arabia does not have a single river. Think about that. I mean, really? Like, why even say it? You know, why bother? We all know they produce oil and they love it. So, you know, this is like planting trees gone mad, basically. Well, I would just touch on that CCS and blue hydrogen a little bit more because that's such a hot topic. And that seems to be, those seem to be areas where you get the most split and people who are super concerned because, you know, you, there's different ways of looking at it. And, you know, people get so concerned that we're, we're not going to do enough. So we have to find solution to capture. We have to do, to do this and that. But the, the core point that I keep getting to is that it seems these things are used as delay tactics to, to take up government funding, to take up discussion space, to delay just faster deployment of clean technologies. And I understand the concerns that people have of we need people, smart people and, and money to do these things. So, sure, but these should not be dominating any discussions about climate solutions. Like, sure, they should have some research funding, but they should not be a central focus of climate solution discussions. Like this is a, this to me is what, delays delays uh, actual deployment solutions and delay and and i think sucks up government funding for things that we need that we really need right now maybe you could agree or disagree or or add on to that uh. i couldn't agree more to be honest i couldn't agree more and i'll tell you why think about something else think about airplanes okay or cars Cars. Cars is a good one because you, you write often about cars, right? So we have delayed effectively electric cars 
and electric planes, by the way, because the same thing applies to planes, for perhaps 30 years by, through tactics very similar to carbon capture and storage and blue hydrogen. And in effect, the minute we decided to stop delaying, the minute we could escape from the delay tactics, they both happened. And I'm talking electric plates. So electric plates are going to be with us far faster than people imagine because we've released the R&D dollars. Now, we need a lot more. There's still a lot of delay tactics in the air, aircraft manufacturing industry and the airline industry and the oil and gas industry, obviously, which is selling them a lot of stuff. And steel is a very good kind of case study. The minute Europe actually clamped down and said we had to have green steel. A Swedish company delivered green steel in, I don't know, two years. And it was made without any coal. And its emissions are down 98% compared to producing steel with fossil fuels. My point is, every dollar you put in blue hydrogen, every dollar you put into carbon capture and storage is dollar that you're not putting into making green steel, green cement, green planes, and green ships happening faster. And that's the problem. That's a really, really good way to explain it. And, you know, coming from a former banker, that seems uh, ideal, doesn't it? <laughs> that's really, but I think that's the critical, that's really... That's the story right there. I think you, you, you said it better than, than I did. That's really the big thing. So thank you very much, Asad. Uh, again, everybody should ch- be listening to your podcast um, and we should have you on again, maybe to talk about some good things too. I mean, some, some, some positive, but, but I, I really like, I think your, your insight and wisdom into watching out for the delay tactics, I think is absolutely critical and amazing. So really appreciate what you're doing. My pleasure. It was great to be here. And I am a big fan. So keep doing the, the great stuff, Zachary. It's well, I just say, I, I don't think anyone has ever given, I mean, you, you're going to improve what we do. And I don't think anyone has ever improved, has ever given so much, so many good tips in such a short time to improve what we do. Uh, we do have great advisors like Mark Z. Jacobson. I'm uh, not going to go down the list, but I, I don't recall having a conversation with someone where I thought so many times, man, we're really doing things wrong. We need to change what we're doing on this topic, how we're phrasing this or talking about this. So I appreciate it. I think you're being too kind, but thank you. All right. Cheers. Have a good day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. (laughs) 